Our scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Genesis through 19a. Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran. He came to a certain place and stayed there for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place. And he dreamed that there was a ladder set up on the earth, the top of it reaching to the heavens. And the angel of God, angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And the Lord stood beside him and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give to you and your offspring. And your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And all the families of the earth shall be blessed in you and in your offspring. Know that I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob woke up from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. So Jacob rose early in the morning, and he took the stone that he had put under his head and set it up for a pillar and poured oil on the top of it. He called that place Bethel, the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Do you remember the song that starts every morning in the movie Groundhog Day? Anybody here with me remember what song that is? Groundhog Day, the movie? Bill Murray, Andy McDowell? Anybody in the... I got you, babe. That's what Gil- Gilbert's got me back there. I knew our musician would have me. I got you, babe. Sonny and Cher. That's right. Anybody remember the time on the clock? 6 a.m. 6 a.m. Groundhog Day. It happens over and over and over again. Eventually misses the puddle. He remembers people's names. He remembers more of who he is and why he exists than maybe he knew at the beginning of that repetitive day over and over and over again. I found it interesting this week as I... um, was looking over scripture and thinking about what to preach on this week, I, I was drawn to this passage uh, in Genesis. Um, and it's interesting to me, these ideas of dreams. I thought about starting my sermon the exact same way that I did two weeks ago to see who would catch it. Um, these dreams, this dream that Jacob has. I thought about Groundhog Day in the movie and this repetitive nature and how uh, for some of this, the, some of us, this pandemic can feel that way a little bit. How for others, the pandemic of racism may have felt like that for centuries. I, I, I keep thinking about what it means to be who we're called to be in Christ. What it means to be fully present to where we are and where we're planted and what our scriptures say to us, what this specific scripture in Genesis says to us, or at least from my interpretation today, and how it speaks to each of our hearts. This is such an incredible scene. 
Um, I'm kind of shocked that nobody's ever made a movie about the, the story of Jacob exactly in, in, a, in a big way with like pyrotechnics and such. I mean, Jacob's an interesting character to begin with. He, he starts out grabbing the heel of his brother Esau. He, he's kind of this trickster, this, uh, this person that's trying to get what isn't necessarily his, but maybe what he wants. It's interesting how that's a person that God uses uh, to reshape uh, human history, to reshape the people, his people, Jacob, Israel, the, the people of Israel. And, and here we have him, and, and he's, um, in this story, he's, he's on the run, and, and he's on the run because he's cheated his brother, and he, um, he doesn't feel safe. Uh, he knows what he's done is, is not the right thing. And he comes to this place, and it says that he pulled up a rock for his pillow. That's that bone tired Rob talked about a few weeks back. When you can pull up a rock as your pillow, you've got to be tired. You've got to be tired. And it says that he, that he went to sleep, and, and as he went to sleep, he saw this vision of a, of a ladder stretching from earth to heaven. And in this ladder, the angels are going up and, and coming down, and we're going up, and, and there's this passing of this veil from heaven to earth. And what it made me begin to wonder about is it made me begin to wonder about how aware I am and we are about God's presence around us. It made me begin to wonder about our awareness of how God works in the world and how God is working in our lives. And it began to make me wonder about how we might be more aware. We might raise our awareness of God's work in the world. In a sermon, William Sloan Coffin quotes uh, a Buddhist monk telling the story. The monk says this, The other day I was walking along the river. The wind was blowing. Suddenly, I thought, Oh, the air really does exist. We know the air is there, but unless the wind blows against our face, we are not aware of it. Here in the wind, I was suddenly aware. Yes, it's really there. And the sun too, I was suddenly aware of the sun as I felt it beating down and shining on, through the bare trees on my arms. It's brightness. All this completely free, completely gracious, and without knowing it, spontaneously, the Buddhist monk bowed. The monk bowed. There's a line, he said, spontaneously and graciously. One of the things that I began to wonder this week is I thought about the presence of God in the world and our awareness of that presence, of God's presence, and how we participate in God's presence, as I began to think about gratitude. 
I begin to think about thankfulness. It's really easy at times to be, at least for me, to be cynical. It's really easy at times to see all the ways that I could complain. I don't like to admit that. It's really easy to see the ways that things seem broken in a world that's hurting, in a world where folks are sick and dying, in a world where folks are discriminated against. It's easy. It's easy to begin to to have our eyes, my eyes, covered with a veil and not see the ways that God is working in the world. One of the things that I think is important to do in these moments is to begin to write down things we are thankful for. So yesterday uh, was August the 1st. It's kind of normal August the 1st, except uh, yesterday, shameless plug, uh, my wife Annie had her second book come out on Amazon. And uh, the name of the book is Into a Reluctant Sunrise, and it's a memoir. It's about the 18 months or so uh, after our daughter Gwyneth passed away. And uh, it's a beautiful book. It's a book about grief. It's a book about loss. It's a book about hope. It's a book that reflects on the way the sun rises each day. I can't remember if this makes it into the book, but I remember when we were in the hospital, uh, we had just delivered, Annie had just delivered, I say we, Annie had just delivered Gwyneth, and uh, we made a list of all the things we were thankful for. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying this to take some kind of credit that we're holier than thou or better. I don't know where that came from. But what I learned in the moment is that each opportunity brings the possibility of resurrection and hope in God's presence. And one of the ways that that starts for us is in gratitude. So I don't know where you all are. I don't know where you are in your your process of living through this pandemic, of dealing with all the difficulties that are going on in our world and that do go on in the world constantly. But one of the things I wonder about is what would it look like if you take 20 minutes, maybe in the morning, maybe in the evening, start keeping a gratitude journal. Start writing down those things that you're thankful for. And the reason that, that I believe this to be important is not only because it makes us feel better, it reminds us that there's more out there than, than the negative of the world, but it also reminds us that God is ever-present. God is present in our world in ways that we don't always remember and recognize and think about And sometimes it's important for us to remember. It's for us to to pay attention and to listen. The other thing that I found fascinating when reading this passage this week is the way Jacob 
paid attention to the place and the space where he was planted in that moment. He had all these things whirling around in his life, the many of which he had created, some of which he had not. And, and you'll notice in the passage, it says God is in this place, I think, six times. Uh, it came to the place. He came to the place where God was, came, came to the place of God. Um, one uh, rabbinic writer uh, wrote uh, that, that this also could be interpreted when it says God is in this place, is that God, this, this place is God. God is here. We encounter God in this, this moment. And I began to wonder about the planting in, the, in this idea of Bethel, this house of the Lord. This is the place where God's house will be. Is there a place where God is not? So there's, there's one way to say, right, like this is the place where God is. And then another way to ask the question is, is there a place where God is not present? And then that begs the question, how do I pay attention to those moments? How do I, how do I pay attention and listen and be present here and now in the space where I am so that I might participate in the work that God's already doing in the world. We, it's been so wonderful over the last several weeks to have uh, different members of the congregation come in and help lead part of the liturgy. The sinks are here this morning. and uh, It's also interesting every time a new family or new person comes in uh, the, the kind of, we're getting a little used to this. Uh, those of us on staff have been doing this for several months now. And it's, um, but it's different the first time you walk in. I'd also say there's a small plug. If you're interested in being a part of leading liturgy, let one of us know on staff. We'd love for you to come be a part. And it feels different to be in this place but one of the things that I've also recognized is that because of the world that we live in, the fact that we do have virtual connection, that we are able to worship together, that God's Spirit is not contracted by time and space and a specific place, but that God is everywhere, that quite frankly, these Sunday mornings are a they're an anchor. There is space to remember that we will be together again. There is space to remember that God is still working even in our lives in ways that are maybe new and different and, and that our call is to imagine new ways to think about God's work in a world that is different than it was before but going to be different in the future as well. Where are we planted? And wherever that is, there is God also. I mean, I can't help but, but think about this when we come to the communion table today. Bread and juice, God, most simple things that we, I mean, every culture has some type of bread, whether it be flat or puffy or some way that we participate in something that is so basic to who we are as humans. And it is that, that thing, 
that Jesus called us to when Jesus called us to this table, a table that crosses time and space and millennia and, and connects us in ways that we can't imagine or even understand, but yet still connects us and gives us the opportunity to imagine how we might be connected. As I think about this week, as I think about this passage in Jacob and the ladder that reminds us of the connection between God and humanity, God and creation, it's my prayer that today as we come to this table, as Jesus pours out himself for each of us, we will feel that connection to God, that love and hope, the remaking and renewal that comes from this gift that is a meal together. And that that meal will reshape us. I want to close with a poem by Mary Oliver. I thought it was appropriate. It's called The Summer Day. I might say just a word after it, but I, I love this poem. The Summer Day by Mary Oliver. Who made the world? Who made the swan and the black bear? Who made the grasshopper? This, this grasshopper, I mean the one that has flung herself out of the grass, the one who is eating sugar on my hand, who is moving her jaws back and forth instead of up and down, who is gazing around with her enormous, complicated eyes. Now she lifts her pale forearms and thoroughly washes her face. Now she snaps her wings open and floats away. I don't know exactly what a prayer is. I do know how to pay attention. How to fall down into the grass, how to kneel down in the grass, how to be idle and blessed, how to stroll through the fields, which is what I have been doing all day. Tell me, what else should I have done? Doesn't everything die at last and too soon? Tell me, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? As we come to this table, my prayer for each of us is the awareness of God's presence in the world, working in and through us and humanity and creation. I pray that we might listen and pay attention. And I pray that we might be grateful. Amen.